Welcome along to another episode of the How I Caught the Wrestling Bug podcast. I'm your host, David Lovell, joined this week by Jerry Stumbar. Now, normally I would do a big introduction, but I didn't do that with Jerry. We just sort of started chatting, so uh, I'm going to cut straight to that. Me in conversation with Jerry Stumbar. David, how are you? Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. Okay, good. I just, I have actually have a new computer, and I haven't used this microphone on this computer yet, so I wanted to make sure. <laughs> no, you sound great. Am I coming across okay to your your end? Yeah, you sound great over here. So you're out in, is it Santa Rosa? Yeah, so I'm in Northern California, just sort of basically the very northern tip of the Bay Area, about an hour north of San Francisco. Nice. So it's about 3 p.m. over there. It's three o'clock. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's eleven. It's eleven p.m. here. Oh, that's not UK. too bad. <laughs> yeah, it's not too late. <laughs> it's going to be about one a.m. when I'm talking to uh, to Brian, but uh, to Alvarez. Yeah. Well, he's probably. I think half those shows he does with Dave are in the middle of the night anyway. That's yeah, because probably... they. I'm I'm normally up before they get posted. Uh-huh. Um, they're normally up by about ten o'clock our time in the morning, which is like two o'clock over there. Yeah. So, yeah, they're obviously very late. But then I suppose you've got, on a Wednesday, you have to watch AEW and NXT. So, yeah, and I mean, just here on the... I, I'm pretty lucky on the West Coast that I... I can usually watch one of them live at 5 o'clock. Um, and then I'll usually watch AEW live at 5 and then uh, catch NXT on the, uh, the 8 <laughs> o'clock. By the time I've already heard everything that happened, usually. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because I put the I put the threads up, and I normally read what people have said before I watch it, so I kind of already know what's going to happen. But uh, because if I, if I watch it live, I've got to stay up till like three a.m. Oh boy! So, <laughs> so I try not to do that too often. Do you have to use? Do you watch it through Fight, or is it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I, if I watch it live, I watch it through Fight. But there is a channel that shows it over here on a Friday night. So I tend to watch them Friday night. So it's a couple couple days delayed. A couple of days delayed. And also with, with the Fight app, obviously, you don't get the picture-in-picture. Picture, so you, they carry on during the commercial breaks in JR oh, yeah. and Tony and Excalibur. Yeah, they carry on with the commentary as well while everyone else is in picture-in-picture. Picture. I actually, funnily enough, I actually know people here that watch it on Fight and use a <laughs> VPN... Yeah. Um, for that, and then they also do it because they can buy the pay-per-views through Fight for uh, quite a bit less, I think. Because <laughs> uh, like, are are they around twenty dollars, twenty pounds or so? The pay-per-views? Yes, they are. Fight? Yeah, yeah. So it's a third the price they are here. Um, but those are really the only pay-per-views I buy these days, anyway. Is the you know obviously everything else is. Uh, just on a service I probably already have. Yeah, the trouble with NXT is we don't get that live anymore because it's not on the network anymore. Oh, right. Um, since they put it on the USA network, it's not on the WWE network. So we have to wait till Friday here to get NXT, which is a bit of yeah, a shame. It, but it is what it is. We used to wait. For, back in the old days, we had to wait till Friday for Raw. So... Wow, yeah, I remember that. (laughs) (laughs) 
I, I definitely remember hearing from some people over there that it took quite a while for Raw to get there. But, um, you know, for a while I didn't have the network. I It was one of those things where I just wasn't watching even, like, all the B pay-per-views. I just, they weren't sustaining my interest enough and there's too much other stuff to watch. So I didn't have the network for a while. But uh, my family, we've got Hulu here and NXT shows up there the next day. Ah, um, okay. I think it's a, it's maybe a 90 minute, or it's a slightly edited version, but, which is the same thing with like Raw and SmackDown. It'll show up the next day and Raw, you know, 90 minutes, it's a lot easier to watch it anyway. Well, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> so it would show up the next day because I don't even have cable TV. I, like I don't get USA Network. I watch all that stuff later on the streaming service generally anyway, except AEW, I've got somebody's, you know, I can watch that, I can watch that live on the TNT app, um, but there's no, um, you know, no regular cable for me. Did you watch uh, Impact this week? Were you uh, intrigued to watch Uh, You know, I did. Oddly enough, I had actually, before all of the uh, crossover stuff, I watched Impact last week for the first time in, in months. I just something compelled me to check in because I mean there's lots of quite a few wrestlers I like there and you know it uh so I watched it last week before the uh the AEW crossover stuff happened and I'm like this is you know it was pretty enjoyable there was some pretty uh like cringeworthy like um wrestlers court skits with (laughs) Tommy Dreamer and D'Lo Brown and which I wasn't really, you know, following, but you know, a lot of the wrestling on the show was good, um, and it's funny because it's it was the first promotion I'd watched in a while uh, that is still like zero audience members, no, no wrestlers around the ring or anything. Um, no, it kind so of feel it, it kind of feels like those old, you know, back in like March and April when they were doing the Raw shows from like the Performance Center. It has that exactly. kind of feel to it. Exactly. It, it, it really felt like that, but, um, and I got, so I had gotten used to watching the, I watched the, uh, generally watch the new Japan Friday night shows or strong or, you know, whatever they're calling it this time around. And it's sort of the same thing. There'll be good wrestling, but there's just zero crowd noise is, is hard for me to, it's hard for me to keep my interest. Um, you know, even if there's just a little bit, it, it certainly helps. But uh, yeah, so I did also watch Impact uh, this week. I thought the uh, the Omega and Callus promo was was fantastic, uh, much better than the AEW version, which I felt was kind of rushed. But um, I, I liked that a lot, and um, I thought they maybe relied a little too heavily on like old clips. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, I watched Impact this week and. Uh, before all this, I generally would check in with Impact like every every few months or so. I'll, I'll watch one. I never I never hate it these days. It just doesn't always grab me with so much other stuff. No, I like I like a lot of the talent there, but I think there is too much sort of campy backstage segments. Um, yeah, for my liking. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. I think it's the the possibilities are endless because I mean I love to see the Good Brothers. Work with the Young Bucks, yeah, that'd be that'd be great. Um, there's so many things they can do. I kind, I'm a huge fan of Rich Swan, but I just kind of wish that there was somebody else 
that had that title that could go against Kenny, you know, someone of that sort of caliber. Yeah, because he's probably losing it to him, at least for a while. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, I, I would guess if they're going to do the whole Kenny belt collector thing. Um, but yeah, I love Rich One too. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, I will be watching more Impact. It seems like AEW is going to have a bigger presence on Impact than vice versa. You know, I don't, you know, I do think you'll see, like, the Good Brothers on Dynamite, and, you know, I'm sure Sammy Callahan will attack somebody. And well, be... Sammy, Sammy Callahan versus John Moxley. I mean, who, who doesn't want to see that match? Yeah, I, I sort of expect that at some point. And, um, you know, probably my, I mean, my favorite thing about AEW right now is that they're, they'll just try stuff like that. I mean, one, one of my main disappointments i guess with the sort of pandemic era of AEW is uh through no fault of their own was um you know they can't bring all the japanese talent over like i was really lo- like hoping for seeing strong hearts more in AEW and the triple a talent like you know they've obviously got an agreement with them uh omegas they're uh they're uh what are they called mega heavyweight champion <laughs> uh yeah uh, there's uh... a lot of I don't watch a ton of AAA, but, you know, a lot of times when I do, I'll see guys uh, that it's like, man, it would be great to see, like, a like a AAA, like, a, a couple three-man teams come in now and then, and obviously it hasn't happened much, but hopefully in 2021 we'll see. Well, I think, yeah, once the pandemic's over and they, yeah. can, they can work with New Japan, AEW can work with New Japan, they can work with AAA, I think they will. I think... Uh, I'd, I still think the impact thing may have happened anyway, but I I'm, I'm certainly yeah. think that if it hadn't have been for the pandemic, we would have definitely got a New Japan crossover. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, there's just there's just too many scenarios that would work out. I mean, even if you just bring over one guy, you know, if you have... If they can just borrow, like... Minoru Suzuki for two months or something. People would have gone crazy. Oh. You know, you don't have to. It doesn't have to be all just well, Omega Okada again, which would be great too. But like, there's there's just so many different things they could do. Well, look how crazy everyone went when um, was it Tanahashi popped up on the Jericho. Oh um, yeah, everyone went crazy just just seeing him on on Dynamite, sending out a message to Jericho for his thirtieth anniversary. Yeah, so, just for for two seconds and uh i mean i was ex- i was excited for that tanahashi is like a, a top five all time for me so it was like ooh, and you know he's one of those guys that i i feel really lucky i got to see you know i've i, I went to the new japan a couple of the new japan shows on the west coast i went to those first ones they did in long beach and then when they ran the cow palace i was at that show so it was sort of a thrill to get to see a lot of those people I never thought I'd get to see in person without leaving the country. Well, normally I would sort of have a bit of a conversation and then start recording the show properly, but oh, I, sure. think, I think really what to just leave that in, or all, all that chat oh, sure. to just yeah. stay in. Because <laughs> um, I normally do an introduction, but uh, I kind of feel that, that that was a good conversation. We ought to leave it in for the... Oh, sure. Yeah, show, I, can, so. I can gab about this stuff all the time. No problem. So I think we should just dive into the uh, dive into the questions then that we've, sure, uh, yeah, that we've got here. So the first question is, what is your earliest memory of wrestling? So 
probably 80, 1985, 86-ish. You know, I was, uh, I was about eight years old. I don't remember the exact show, but, you know, it was, it was definitely like a weekend, Saturday morning, WWF superstars sort of thing. It was, you know, between, <laughs> somewhere between WrestleMania 3 and 4, because WrestleMania 4 is like the first show I remember, like, watching. Like, I somehow, like, convinced my parents to get it for me. You know, my, my dad wasn't a wrestling fan. He was as a kid, I found out later, but, um... So I remember WrestleMania four was like my first big show. That's and not the best. Being... That's not the, the best no. introduction, is it? <laughs> it's an awful show, but it I remember is. as a kid just loving it because we taped you know, we recorded it on a we had a we still had a Betamax. We recorded it and it was one of those things it was uh, I would just watch it over and over again. And in hindsight, yeah, it's a pretty terrible show, but um that was my first you know, right at a little bit, I would say, past like the peak of Hulkamania. I was a big Macho Man fan, and uh, so yeah, that era definitely was my first exposure to it. I don't remember exactly when, but definitely you know eighty six, eighty seven ish. That um, you know the Savage Hogan angle and and all that. Like probably a lot of people, you know, I'm. 41, probably a lot of people my age in here, like, that's their, would, would have been their introduction, especially, like, where I was, I wasn't really exposed to, until I started buying wrestling magazines, like, I didn't really know the NWA existed, uh, you know, I, um, that was a few years later, and I didn't have any, I didn't know where to watch it, I knew some of the, you know, I knew the name Ric Flair, but... I probably didn't see a Ric Flair match until 1992 or three or something when I was a little bit older and could <laughs> find things better. Well, I suppose back then the only way people knew about other territories was through the Aptamax. Yes, definitely. Uh, but, I, sorry, gone. Oh no, that was it. And yeah, I would, I would, I would get those uh, occasionally when I when I when I could find them. But um, but as but yeah, I was a I was a pure WWF kid for the f first few years. <laughs> so, do you think Savage should have retained at WrestleMania Five? Because that I think a lot of people think that he should have retained and they shouldn't have put the belt on Hogan. I mean, for me, when I was ten, I thought he should have kept it forever. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, you know, it's um, but I would have liked it if he he kept it, but. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not an insider or anything, but like looking at it now, it like you know he was the heel in that match. Like that was before the years where they would put heels over uh, at WrestleMania. It was all you know it was a supposed to be the happy ending. And I you know I liked Hogan. I wasn't like a you know diehard Hulkamaniac, but I liked him. I would have fun watching his matches. So I you know I don't think it was a bad decision to have him lose it, but. You know, just personally, I would have, I would have liked it more, but that's, that's more like the, you know, nerd part of me that just like, I'd like to see him have it forever. And the next question, mm -hmm. you kind of already, you've kind of already answered it in a way. Was was which wrestlers captured your imagination as a kid? So, obviously, Randy Savage was one. Hogan, I'm, I'm assuming, was another. 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, definitely that that era of the WWF guys. Um, you know, I hit. I uh, it, again, it's sort of embarrassing to admit as an adult, but I remember really liking Brutus Beefcake because I was kind of a. <laughs> I was kind of a like a heavy metal Hesher rocker kid, and I thought his, I thought his pants looked kind of metal, and he had long hair, and uh, just an awful wrestler. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that was my my early my early early favorites were like yeah the the cartoony WWF guys that I probably grew out of later. And do you remember the first live event you attended? Uh, I do. So it was at the Cow Palace, um, probably 1987, 88-ish, probably 87, because, so Savage was the champion, so it was after WrestleMania 4, and the main event was uh, Savage and DiBiase. I guess oh, DiBiase nice. was an early favorite, like, um, I hated him, but I always loved to watch him, and I really grew to appreciate him later. He was, um, yeah, main event. At the Cow Palace, it was Savage and DiBiase, uh, and I just loved it. And it was bloody. It was sort of a bloody, you know, it was a house show, but um, DiBiase, they both bled, and they crawled outside the ring a lot, and I just remember being fascinated by it. And uh, I don't remember a ton else who else was on the card. Lanny Poffo was there. Oh, Lanny Poffo was there, and I caught a Frisbee, because he would throw those Frisbees out into the crowd with a poem on them. And I somehow ended up with a Lanny Poffo Frisbee that I got him to sign after the show that I lost years ago. Um, yeah, it was my first, you know, late 80s of the Cow Palace would have been my first live wrestling show in San Francisco. And at any point did you sort of lose interest in wrestling? Was there any time where you stopped watching? I did. There was probably a couple points. There was probably, you know, a little bit... You know, probably after I graduated high school for a few years, and mostly that was probably because of, like, life circumstances. Like, I had to pay rent on my own now, and I just uh, didn't have I didn't have cable, so I didn't have a great way to watch it. And I was playing in a band at the time, so I just didn't have a lot of free time. And this was, like, a little bit pre-Attitude Era, so it was maybe not the most, like, compelling stuff as far as, like, mainstream wrestling went. And I would get, I got kind of sucked back in during the Attitude Era for a long time. And then my other break was, you know, after the Chris Benoit stuff, mm. who, yeah. you know, as in as a young adult was one of my favorites. Like, so 2007, I took probably a five-year break. It was, I kept watching for a little bit after the Chris Benoit thing, but it yeah. was, it was hard. It was, you know, it was, it just all felt kind of gross. <laughs> for a while like yeah i know was, what you mean. I mean, at that point I, yeah at that point i was reading the observer and i so i i knew all these like ghastly details and all this like sleazy stuff about the industry and it was just like yeah i just so it, it took me a while to, to come back and i was probably like you know for as as little as i watch main roster wwe these days what probably brought me back is like when they started the network and it was like oh i can watch all these old wwf and wcw shows for 10 bucks a month and it was sort of the height of the daniel bryan thing and i really enjoyed him uh so that sort of sucked me back in and then 
after a few months, then I was like all in. Okay, oh, New Japan World and you know the internet. I can watch matches from everywhere on the planet. So yeah, so probably what is that? Six, seven years I've been back in more than ever, really. <laughs> Well, I mentioned this on, on previous podcasts, but for me, it's a similar kind of story uh, in that well, really before, even prior to Chris Benoit and, and the tragedy there, it was really the Eddie Guerrero storyline with, with Randy Orton, where yeah. Randy Orton was saying that Eddie is not in heaven, he's in hell, which, I mean, they, they've done tasteless things like that for forever, but that was like yeah. one tasteless storyline too many for me, and I just kind of stopped watching all together, and it was really the CM Punk pipe bomb promo that's what sort of hooked yeah. me back in again. Yeah, I've I've heard that from a lot of people, and um, you know, the, with the uh, the uh, Orton Ray stuff and the Benoit stuff, and and even earlier to the like sort of broad panties attitude era treatment of women stuff. I mean, one of the things that's always been hard for me is like you don't want to be embarrassed by what you're watching, right? Like. If you're watching something and somebody else walks into the room and you're embarrassed, it means, you know, it gives you a weird feeling. <laughs> like, uh, and all those all those things definitely like made me like feel that. Yeah, but you don't really you don't really get that anymore in in wrestling. I think I think for the most part you would you wouldn't feel embarrassed if someone walked in. Maybe when Baron Corbin was was feeding Roman Reigns dog food or whatever the hell that was. Maybe something like that might make you want to. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, for the most part, you know, it, it's. I think the product's probably better now than it has been for a long, long time. Maybe ever. Yeah, it's, I mean, I would say it's definitely like the you know like the least offensive. And I've um, I've never been one of those people that uh, you know wants a wants crash tv style like crazy you know angles on my wrestling all the time but um you know things like wwe these days is just their pro their main problem with me is one too much content it's just i once i sort of decided like i don't really have to keep up with raw and smackdown and the pay-per-views and 205 live and nxt and all that stuff and it's like i can just check in when i hear something's good it's it's really helped me with things because you know what? What is it? Ten new hours a week of TV. It's just—it's—it's it's it's overwhelming. Yeah, yeah, and it's—it's it's not all going to be great. A lot of it, a lot of it, feels like bland. And there's so many good people that work there, and there's like so much potential for good stuff. But you know, I really like dipping my toes into a whole bunch of different things. You know, I—you uh, know—I I watch all the New Japan big shows, a lot of the little shows. You know, I watch. AEW is easy to watch every week because it's it's just two hours. And even even if it's a show that I'm not, even if it's an episode I'm not super crazy about, it's a lot easier to digest. You know, I can watch dark or skip dark either way. It doesn't matter. It's you know, it's a squash match show. Like, there's so much stuff out there to watch that, uh, you know, I WWE can be a little. Uh, just a little bland a lot of the time i think just because there's so much of it and they and every every one of their shows to me it feels kind of samey yeah. sometimes so you, you kind of already answered my next question there which is what are your viewing habits now and what do you watch the answer is pretty much everything but for wwe you just if you hear something's great you'll you'll check it out on like on youtube or whatever but you won't actually sort of sit down and watch necessarily sit down and watch raw and smackdown each week 
I definitely don't watch the weekly shows. And uh, I, for a while, um, like I was trying to do a podcast for a while, just keeping up on Japanese stuff. And even even that, there's like so many companies there doing like good stuff. Like I, you know, I had uh, DDT Universe, so I've got DDT and Noah stuff on there, and I watch New Japan, and I think I still have the All Japan Universe. I have so many wrestling subscriptions that like I had to sort of take a step back as I was trying to watch everything at once. Now it's just like I'll watch about a show a day, but I have to. You know, just allow myself to pick, like, oh, I'll just watch this, you know, the most recent, you know, Best of the Super Junior show, or I'll watch this, unless I hear something that's really great. Um, and I still like to watch old stuff, too, so I try and mix that in. But, um, yeah, so I, I'm trying to give myself, like, less of an emphasis on, like, I have to stay current on everything to, like, I'll just watch what I feel like, and, um, you know, I'll watch bits and pieces of stuff here and there but yeah that's a little a little bit of everything i guess is the short version of that <laughs> and one of the great things of course about being on the the fight game facebook group the fight game podcast facebook group is you can it's very easy to keep up on these things as well because there's always someone yeah. posting about even if you haven't if you miss something um you know you can check it out because someone's posted about it and yeah you can you can sort of stay informed by being in that group so yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a, one of the only uh, Facebook groups that I, I pay attention to. I used to, <laughs> I had to cut out. I don't. There was a lot of. I was in a lot of like garbage Facebook wrestling groups. It was just like, I don't know. It was a. The fight game one is like the only one that I, I sort of like keep up with and follow the posts because they're actually, like, well thought out and people will point me out to good stuff, which I, I definitely appreciate for. For just a little, for time convenience. And I now want to do some sort of rapid fire questions, as I do on each show. So, sure. favorite wrestler of all time? Oh God, yeah, I saw. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely changes every week. Um, I'll go with Terry Funk. Good choice. Because I, when I started getting interested in Japanese wrestling and buying tapes from you know high spots or rf or wherever i was buying them from back in the early 2000s like he was sort of a, a gateway to me to you know because he was a guy i knew and i liked quite a bit he was a gateway to me like discovering you know a lot of the 80s all japan stuff and everything and i just every era of terry funk i like in a different way so i'll go with terry funk is my favorite it's he he covers all the bases of the stuff i enjoy <laughs> And favorite match of all time? Uh, that that one's tougher. It probably changes every week. <laughs> uh, um, you know, if you asked me twenty years ago, I probably would have said uh, uh, Cactus Jack and Triple H at the uh, Royal Rumble two thousand. Mm. Yeah. I just loved that match. You know, I was a big Mick Foley fan, and uh, it was. It was probably the WWF match I was at, like most excited to watch live, and and standing up in my seat and cheering and booing and like so. Twenty years ago would have been that. These days I'm probably a little more like internet nerdy. I really liked, you know, it's everybody talks about it, but the uh, the third Omega Okada match, like 
you know, there's a reason I, I kind of think there's a reason that match is, is so, you know, talked about. I loved it. Like, I watched it again a few months ago, and I hadn't watched it in a while. I was like, God, it was really great. Um, so, yeah, one of those, I guess. <laughs> and it'll probably change next week. And the best show you ever attended live. Now, you, the first show you attended was a pretty good one. Have you have you been to one better than that? Yeah, probably the best one I saw live was, I think it was 2017. So the first New Japan shows in Long Beach when they were doing the tournament for the uh, their inaugural, the U.S. title. Um, they did two nights. I drove down from the Bay Area to go to those. And the first night, I mean, they were, both nights were really great. But, yeah, the first night, it was my first time seeing New Japan live. And I'd seen w, WWF shows, tons of local shows in the Bay Area. But um, it was sort of, like, next level. And that weekend I saw, yeah, just so much great stuff. And I met lots of great people that I sort of knew from the Internet. That, that <laughs> enhanced my experience, like a lot of people that came from all over the country to go to those, like, I met in person there, so that gives me a little little extra boost, too. But, yeah, I'd say the uh, New Japan shows in Long Beach in 2017. And the last question, which is, I think, the one that most people will have the, the most trouble answering, is if you could change one thing about the business, just one thing, what would it be? Oh, um... <laughs> yeah, that is a that is a that is a tough thing. Uh, I mean, my initial reaction is uh, is probably like less about the business and more the and more um, like more the fans in that like kind of think people should just like the stuff they like. I always think it's I I never get involved in stuff on Twitter or Facebook when people are just like arguing about this thing is awful or this thing's bad or like you know you know like like the wrestling you like it's a you know it's a subjective art form and there's there's no reason to like if you don't like something that's fine they're just I just see like so much anger about stuff online about like yeah, it's wrestling. It's fun. If if there's something somebody does that you don't like, then you know don't watch it, and but then don't shame other people who enjoy it. You know, that's kind of. But I guess that's not part of the business. So I guess the business thing. I would say like less creeps, maybe <laughs> less <laughs> less like uh, less like you know less uh less creeps. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a that is a tough one. Well, changing one thing it, it, it's kind of sad in a way but a lot of people sort of look at that question and their first reaction is well I, I would like to change who's running WWE I'd love to see someone other than Vince yeah. because I think a lot of people obviously Vince is a visionary and, and it wouldn't be where it is today without Vince there's no doubt about that but it's not the same Vince I mean he's now into yeah. his mid 70s and he's still working as hard as ever Sure. And to be honest, you know, the product is not great, you know, and you right. hear stories about him getting to the building and, and having it all rewritten. Um, you know, they, they've written out a whole show and he comes along and changes the whole thing. And it's no surprise the show makes no sense because 
when you're changing it at the last minute, it's not going to make sense. So sure. you know, a lot of people are saying that they, they would rather see someone else. I'm not sure if Paul Devec is the guy, but I mean, if you look at how he's run NXT, you know, that might be the guy going forward. Yeah. I mean, I'm a little skeptical, like even when Vince stops and somebody else does it, just the, the size of that company and the way they have it set up, you know, even if Paul like took over, like I definitely don't, I'm definitely less interested in NXT now than I was before it was on USA. I, you know, I, and I know, you know, so I worry about just the like the size of that company and sort of the corporate environment. And it's just, um, you know, whoever's doing it. Like, I, I just worry that it's, unless somebody can really take over and really make, you know, big structural changes, which I don't see happening. I don't, I don't know. I mean, the writing will probably get better. It'll make more sense when Ben stops doing it and everything. But, like, you know, I, I think the the look of the show should change. Like, they feel... There's a lot of things in that company that feel like they haven't changed since 1998 or whatever. You know, I think it's... It's time for a bigger shake-up than just, like, a, like new theme songs or slightly different, you know, graphics and stuff. But, yeah, I, I you know, I, I agree that... That would be, you know, give somebody else a chance to do it, though. <laughs> I think they're definitely lacking that that top guy. You know, I, I think uh, John Cena may have been the, may have been the last one. I, I don't know anybody there that really grabs you. I mean, you know, Roman's great, Drew's great, but they, they don't have the star power of say Austin or The Rock. That's that's really what they're right. they're missing now, isn't it? They haven't really got someone like that. They're definitely missing that, and I think it's mostly their own doing because I don't think the way that company runs, like you know, I don't really feel like anybody would get a chance to do that. Truthfully, like you know, I I, I thought like you mentioned CM Punk earlier, like he was on the cusp, like he could have oh, done that, and I sort yeah. of I sort of thought the same thing about Daniel Bryan when he uh, what was that WrestleMania thirty when he won the title, like. Those felt like big, big deals, and it just didn't, I don't know, it didn't translate for some reason, and I don't think it was the fault of either of those wrestlers. I think it was definitely like the presentation, the company's presentation. Like, I don't, you know, CM Punk had a little more leeway than most, but, you know, yeah, if but he was coming up now and going in, he would probably be in the same position is you know somebody like ricochet or whoever one of these people that everybody was all excited about and and they just you know they don't let everybody's got to read use the company speak and read the script and and all that so i there's definitely a lot of great guys there that could probably be huge if if they presented it differently i would say and with the punk thing, I mean, yeah, when he when he won the title at Money in the Bank, and they said that he was gone, yeah, he he was leaving with the title. They could have really milked that thing. They could have had him go to Ring of Honor, like he said in the promo that he he turned up in Ring of Honor. They could have really waited, and maybe you know SummerSlam, even SummerSlam felt too soon, really, to bring him back. But they could have stretched it out till then. But they didn't. You know, he came back almost immediately, and that summer of punk really did fizzle out towards the end and 
you know, having him lose to Triple H was yeah, a really I mean, questionable yeah. decision in hindsight. Yeah, that was dumb. And, you know, I mean, part of it is like, you know, they've got all these hours every week they have to fill with TV, so they don't want to, you know, keep somebody gone for that long. But they have 200, 300, I don't even know how many wrestlers they have working for them. Uh, it's one of the reasons, like, AEW as a weekly show is kind of easy to digest. It's like you'll see somebody on there that's like, oh, I haven't seen that person in a few weeks. Like, yeah, it's not absolutely. Great. Yeah, because you can't focus on everyone all at once, you know, and, and there are going to be times when you just can't get everyone. You're obviously not going to get everyone on the show every single week. But no. you don't need to do that because what happens is guys get overexposed and there is no off-season, so to speak. So you're seeing that guy 52 weeks of the year. They're going to get stale. You know, no yeah. one, no one can stay that hot for, you know, for that long. Yeah, and it's just a different, you know, I think back to when I was a kid, like, you know, I was talking about how much I loved Savage or, or whoever. He didn't wrestle on Saturday morning every no. week. I might see an interview every other week, and maybe once a month or so I'd see a match, but, I, you know, I would just get excited about, like, oh, he's going to be on SummerSlam. I better talk my parents into buying that. Like, uh, um, And it's not like they didn't have stars on their shows every week, but they had, you know, enough guys rotating that you know every week felt you know they everybody felt like a star because they weren't on all the time and then when they have everybody on every week especially with wwe when you have seven hours of tv every week like you know if they're biggest you know i think roman reigns is great but like i've seen more roman reigns in the past few years than i probably did of you know 10 years when i was a kid of uh, savage so it's just it wears a little thin after a while. Yeah, the only guy they really have like that is is, is Brock. You know, who I mean, he's not even with them right now. But I mean, Brock right. only only pops up a few times a year, and obviously now Goldberg is going to be popping up every now and again. Sure. Um, so they they obviously feel a bit more special. But see, Goldberg, I don't know what really Goldberg brings in twenty twenty. I, I it's uh, I would never have had him win the title. I, I kind of understand why they did it, but it kind of killed the theme character for me because the theme was really starting to get somewhere, even after that terrible Seth Rollins feud. Right. And then they have him lose to Goldberg, and to me, that was a mistake in hindsight. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely think, you know, Goldberg, Lesnar, people like that are going to be in a few times a year. I think that's great you bring them in because it does keep them special and stuff, but like, you have to you have to do it so you have to not sacrifice the people who are gonna you know like like I was just saying they have two hundred people working there they could they could have had Goldberg come in once a month and just squash you know Zack Ryder or whoever yeah, or, or squash Dolph Ziggler like he did at that one pay per view yeah and people would go nuts and then you'd say you know three weeks Goldberg's going to be back on Smackdown and people would get excited they wouldn't care who you know they can do stuff like that and and use the you know the veterans that aren't going to be around you know better uh, uh, without sacrificing like a few you know people with upward momentum they had left so yeah I, I definitely agree with that well Jerry I, I thought we could talk a lot more <laughs> the only trouble oh, yeah. with, this, with this podcast is it, it, it's, it's kind of restrictive as to 
how much we get to talk about. But um, once I've done a few more of these, I'm, I'm probably going to do more podcasts and bring a lot of these people back on. Uh, so I'm de- I'll definitely bring you back at some point if you're happy to come back on. Yeah, excellent. I'm I'm always happy to uh, chat about uh, wrestling. I, I I do it all day, so it's a it's fun to it's fun to do it with, with new people. So yeah, I've really enjoyed this. So I, I've obviously reached out to everyone on the uh, the fight game podcast Facebook group, and, and and quite a lot have come back and said, yeah, we'd love to do the show. And I've done a few of these, and I've got a lot more to do in the uh, in the pipeline. And and uh, yeah, once this sort of series, if you like, is over, I'll, I'll sort of, sort of think to think to myself what can be the next uh, series sort of be and and bring all those people back again so yeah uh, definitely have you back in in the future but thanks a lot for for coming on today yeah no problem thanks david good talking to you and you thanks a lot bye-bye all right bye yeah cheers for that jerry that was great